Thank you so much for joining the Dr. Whisperer podcast show. I am your host, Sharon Feckety, and you are here to listen to others talk about the business of medicine. Don't forget to subscribe, share it with somebody else that is in the business of medicine so we can all learn together. Thank you for being here and enjoy the show. Well, everybody, do I have a show for you today. So uh, welcome back or welcome to the Dr. Whisperer if you've been following since 2018. Thank you. If you have not and you're new, like where the hell have you been? What have you been doing? What are you talking about? You're new. Get on the train. So we're going to talk as always about the business of medicine, but I am always, always, always just a little more excited when it's a woman physician and a woman surgeon and a woman physician surgeon who's opening her own business. So all of my favorite things tied into one to talk about the business of medicine today, we have Dr. Deepa Bhatt joining us, a newbie to Tampa Bay. Welcome. Welcome Thank to the you. show. Thank you yeah. so much. Thanks for having me. So I want to get into, of course, the short story is that you have family here. That's what brought you. Your husband grew up in Tampa Bay. We had, of course, a little convo before I hit record. You know, Tampa Bay wasn't always as cool as it is today. It's a much better time to open up a plastic surgery practice in Tampa than it was many years ago. So what has it been like since you got here? Let's start there. And what, what, what do you find different? And it could be anything. Sure. Uh, so just to give you a little bit of background, I just finished, I completed my integrated plastic surgery training in upstate New York, and then I did an aesthetic fellowship in California. So moving from coast to coast has been quite the experience, um, on a broad sense. I think the weather has really something different. I, you know, walked off the plane and I asked my husband, why is the air wet? Uh, (laughs) Yes, Definitely a little bit different from California, but in terms of living here in the plastic surgery community, I have to say, I was actually really surprised at how kind and welcoming everyone has been because it's not always like that. Um, especially in this field, it, there can be a little bit more competition, but every single person I have met has been incredibly kind and welcome, welcoming to the fact that there's a new physician, new surgeon joining the community. So awesome. um, it's been really positive and encouraging, actually. Awesome. And I love hearing that it felt wet. Yes, it does. Yeah. It feels, my husband and I like to call it the swamp, especially during yeah. the summer. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, and I am very interested. So I always get a bio and I share this sometimes on the show um, before the interview. And I I usually circle a few things that really stand out. So I'm going to just tell you what really stood out. And then I want to dive in a little bit. So uh, you received a fully funded academic scholarship and double majored in Spanish and brain behavior and cognitive sciences. So let's start there because, you know, I don't think many people think about when we're talking about plastic surgery, that you have double majored in brain behavior and cognitive sciences. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, in, in terms of the scholarship part, I was told, um, I, you know, didn't come from an extremely well-to-do family. So I was told that 
I better get a scholarship because there was no money for college. (laughs) So that's what I did. Um, So I went to Michigan, which ended up just being, you know, the best experience. I Mm. met my best friends there. Uh, And then in terms of what I decided to major in, I've always had a love for languages. Uh, I wasn't born in this country. I was born in India. So came came here and then my parents, you know, were immigrants as well, obviously. So they didn't speak English. So learning new languages uh, was something that I had to become very good at because my parents were also from two different parts of India. So Mm. my grandparents spoke two different languages and they had to come here. Uh, And my parents were so afraid that I would lose my cultural identity that they didn't Mm. teach me English. So I walked into kindergarten, um, not knowing a word English. Oh my goodness. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. So I just developed a a love for languages. Yeah. Uh, And I knew that I wanted to be a physician. I knew that Spanish would only help me because there was such a, there's such a large Hispanic population. So I wanted something that would be able to help me, something I was passionate about. And importantly, I wanted to do things that I knew I probably wouldn't get the opportunity to do in medical school. And Mm -hmm. same with the brain behavior and cognitive science. It's basically a fancy term for a mix between neuroscience and biopsychology. So it still hit all of the, the sciencey aspects that I love, but I was really interested in psychology. I just think that that is such a unique field and such an expansive field that I wanted to explore it a little bit more before I started medical school. So those are why I wanted, you know, double majored. So I love it. So did you think originally that you would go and become a psychologist or a psychiatrist? You know, that's what popped out. I was like, Ooh, I wonder, I wonder if that's what was going on. Yeah, I, well, I actually knew um, in my heart of hearts when I started medical school that I was not going to be a surgeon because I, I had just were, heard, really, <laughs> yeah, I just wow. I really wanted to be a pediatrician. I loved kids, um, and oh. I just I just idolized my pediatrician growing up. So I was like, you know, that's who I'm going to be. But then. I started medical school. I started getting a little bit more exposure to all the different fields. Um, and I think there's a stereotype about surgeons um, in medicine, in medical school, that they're mean, they're unfriendly, they're grading, they're, you know, terrifying people. But actually, I had the opposite experience. I found surgeons to be some of the kindest, most welcoming, best teachers. Um, and I just, I don't know what that says about me, but I feel like I really fit in with them. So yeah. Uh, so I had, you know, a change of heart. So I was like, well, I have to be a surgeon. I loved using my hands. I love the procedural aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And while I had a great time on my peds rotation, I realized that I probably, there are probably much better pediatricians out there than I would mm-hmm. ever be. So. Wow. How interesting to go from pediatrics to plastic surgery. I'm, I'm yeah. really um, excited to hear more. Now, tell me a little bit now I, I work and have worked for the last 10 years in my consulting business with m- mostly integrative medicine physicians. Mm-hmm. Now that is, it's so interesting because that's not, that wasn't the plan. I came from adult medicine in New York and then, and in business, we're talking people, everybody that listens to the shows knows that Sharon Feckety has literally no clinical experience. Um, you wouldn't want me doing any surgery or given any medical advice, but Um, with the business of medicine and coming to Florida, I ran pediatrics for eight years. And, um, and now in my consulting business for all these years, I've been able to meet all these different types of physicians, surgeons, uh, neurologists, uh, psychiatrists. And just like you said, I, well, I do believe it's 
what you attract. So I lived a life of integrative medicine and I always loved the the combination. Like it wasn't just going to be one thing. It wasn't just going to be a focus. It was going to be more of like a collaboration. And I attracted a lot of that integrative world. So I'm I'm interested in this integrated plastic surgery training that you had at Albany Medical College. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So there are multiple roads to plastic surgery. There mm-hmm. is general surgery route where you do five years of general surgery, and then you do an additional three years of plastic surgery. And then on top of that, you would do an additional year of fellowship training if you so desired. And now the way medicine is being practiced, almost everyone does do a fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one route. And then there's an the integrated route where you don't necessarily have to do a full five years of general surgery, because at the end of the day, it's very important to have adequate training, but you may not need to know how to remove a pancreas, you know, if you're a plastic surgeon. So it it kind of, you know, hones down the surgical training to be a little bit more relevant to plastic surgery. And that program is six to seven years long, depending on the program, depending on whether or not there's a required research year. So that shortens the total training time, because if you think about it, nine years plus four years of medical school plus four years of undergrad is an incredibly long period of time to train. So this just made a little bit more sense. And it was a little bit more tailored to uh, my goals because I knew I wanted to do plastic surgery and I knew I wanted to do a fellowship. So this just seemed the most efficient way to accomplish my goals. Love it. Okay. So now you are um, here in Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. which I'm so happy about. You are um, a woman, which I'm so happy about. <laughs> and you have decided to, you know, I talk a lot about uh, on the show how most physicians coming out of medical school, you know, they join a big practice. There's a ton of loans to pay off. Um, It can be very intimidating to go even into just a private practice. So to join a big group and to to take that route to push down some of that debt, you know, get rid of it. Um, And then later on in life, when you're like almost financially stable or have been completely burnt out by working in the system, I like to call it. And you want to do things your way. You know, I I find most of the physicians that I've been able to work with and and speak to on the show through the years just didn't think it was going to be that way. They didn't think that practicing medicine was going to be like, there's this dream and this vision that you have, right? And most people have to wait. So the fact that you've been able to do this now is so incredible. And I'm, I'm like on board. I'm like, yes, yes, this can be done instead of waiting. Because now, because when, when I come in to help a practice, they're like, oh, Sharon, you just have to clean up such a mess. So to be able to start it the way you're starting it here in Tampa is wonderful. And it's going to be open here in September of 2023. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that decision to kind of, you know, go balls to the wall and just do it. Well, you know, I I appreciate your positivity around this because (laughs) it, it was, you know, a really daunting decision to make because 
I have a ton of medical school loans. The smart thing, you know, the quote unquote smart thing to do would be to join a high powered practice would be to join an academic center and work, pay off my loans, you know, Mm -hmm. be in a more financially stable position and then decide to branch off on my own. But for me, I have always, always, always dreamed of having my own practice of building something from the ground up. That's what really excites me. And I love a challenge. And I was doing a lot of thinking and I was talking to my husband about it. And I was like, you know, every single person that I have talked to that owns their own private practice, because I've had so many conversations with those people, they say that their number one regret was not starting sooner. And Mm -hmm. they say that experience comes and you will learn the things that you will need to learn along the way um, in terms of running a business, in terms of, you know, that side of it and just, just get started. Uh, So I did really struggle actually initially with what the smart thing to do was. Mm -hmm. And I I just ultimately decided to go for it because I have a very, very supportive spouse. He has a background in finance. I knew that at least in that sense, I would have a helping hand along the way in terms of, you know, things that we were never taught to do, creating a business plan, you know, what sort of insurances do I need? Because it's not just MedMal, it's, you know, liability insurance, it's this insurance. So um, that was, you know, incredibly helpful, you know, having someone to be like, hey, this is a P&L statement and you need to know how to read it. So, so, you know, and it was, Also, the confidence that my mentors gave me, I've had, I'm so blessed in that I've had the most incredible mentors Mm. Um, in fellowship training in California. I think one of the the most valuable parts of that fellowship was you learned how a business ran. Mm. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, oh, it's all insurance-based. It's all this. It's, these are the numbers, you know, this is the bottom line at the end of the day. These are our goals. Did we meet them? If not, how do we meet them? Um, and they were so good. It was three different practices that I worked with. They were so good about sharing their numbers with me, involving me in their meetings and just showing me how to efficiently and productively run a practice. Mm, I really feel like, yeah, it it was really wonderful. And I don't think many people out of training have that knowledge. And Mm. for all those reasons, I really felt like I had the confidence to say, okay, I think I can do this. You know, I saw my mentors do it. They told me I could do it. Um, and quite honestly, I also didn't want to have to deal with the non-compete aspect of it. You know, I knew I was going to be in Tampa. I knew that I was going to be here for a very long time for family reasons. And so for me to join a practice in Tampa and then have to somehow figure out how to start a practice, you know, 20 miles away because of my non-compete, it just wasn't going to work for me. So good for you. Good for you. Thank you. Yes. So I think it's really important, um, and I'd like to give a shout out to your husband, because I think that having the the support and somebody that to believe in you is very, very important. Um, to have uh, people around you that are going to tell you that you can do it, because um, most people are, you know, just, they don't have that mindset. But if you have a, an opportunity to surround yourself I don't think we talk about this enough with people that believe that you could, there are no uh, ceilings that you could just continue to keep going and going and going. And if you have that around you, you will be able to break through and do whatever you set your mind to, because it really does come down to that, that mindset and that support that we have in our lives. And I, I know uh, all about the fear. I know all about the um, not knowing how to do something until you do it. And 
in my world, there has never been a way better to just go for it because the best way to learn how to do business is to actually do business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no class, there's no mastermind that is going to teach you more than mistakes and and failures, but we don't we don't have to make them all if we have the right people around us supporting and encouraging our journey. So um shout out to your hubby, shout out to the family and the mentors that are are telling you this is a great idea. Every doctor knows that their traditional insurance only goes so far. Dare I say malpractice. These are real risks that keep you up at night. Real risks. Like you have to consider that. So SRA 831B admin helps businesses fund their own PPP plans. Did you hear that? Is that, is that making sense? So SRA 831B admin helps you mitigate risk and lower your tax liability by putting money in to a vehicle that's tax advantage. You need that. You know, dentists that were deemed non-essential, remember that in the pandemic? The ones that had these 831 plans, they were able to file a business interruption claim and use their tax advantage dollars. So what are you waiting for? Check out SRA 831B admin. You won't regret it. Now let's talk a little bit about the name of your practice. So what, tell us about the name and where you came to decide on the name, because I do know that most people go, I don't know what to call it. Yeah. So um, that's an interesting question. I knew that I didn't want to name the practice after myself. Um, you know, it it's one thing for, for, you know, a solo practice to be named, let's say bot plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. But if you have this growth mindset that, you know, maybe one day you want to be bigger than just bot plastic surgery, yes. mm -hmm. you know, and as, as someone that was looking for jobs, because I was thinking about just getting a job straight out of fellowship, I realized that I didn't really want to work for Smith plastic surgery. Um, and I didn't want to work for, you know, Robert's plastic surgery either. I am a fully trained plastic surgeon. I just didn't want the feeling that I was constantly underneath someone all the time. Mm -hmm. So I knew that that's, it's, I just didn't want to name after myself. And I was thinking about what I wanted my practice to invoke. Um, and I really want to break the stigma that plastic surgery is, you know, leads to unnatural looking results, leads to this feeling of artificialness. What good plastic surgery is, is that you should look like yourself. You should just look a little bit refreshed. You should look, right. you, should, you should feel better about yourself. You should so, look up like yourself. Thank you for yes. saying that. Yes. yes, exactly. And, and, you know, anyone that doesn't have that result, um, that's not what plastic surgery is supposed to look like. So I was thinking about words that invoke that, and I came across this word, this French verb, um, and it's raviver, and it means to rekindle or to reignite or to reawaken, um, to reinvigorate, essentially. And I just, you know, it's restoring a sense of what was. And mm -hmm. that really, I just, I love that verb. And I was like, this is exactly what I'm trying to create, this feeling. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I wanted to name my practice revive. I love it. I think it's got a beautiful flow to it. I love that. I always love when there's meaning behind a name. Um, and I do think, of course, that it's smart. I, I I used to run a practice that was named after the street that it was on. And then we expanded. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then now, what do you do? <laughs> now, what are we going to do? So yeah. it, is, it is very smart. And I think um, 
it's well thought out because eventually the hope is to expand and to grow and to bring probably others in. If, if that's the way you want to go, who knows what the future will bring. Um, Maybe you will want to, I don't know, just manage everybody who knows, like you have such a great um, opportunity to make this however you want it to be. Um, And I do think I want to speak about um, that last point that you made you know, and I've worked with a lot of plastic surgeons, and I actually made a conscious decision a few years ago that you would, I would never work in aesthetics again. Wait for it. Okay. Because I thought there was, um, there was a lot of toxicity that went into it. And, and it is true. And there is some of that. And I have been in it. And I have not been a fan. I have... Um, because I am very, very focused on mental health and the importance of mental health and people feeling good. I always thought that there was too much of a projection on the outside than the inside. But when, just like you described, when it is about a a natural um, revitalization or I'm all about, like, if you look good, you feel good, there is such a difference. And it is so true. I always used to think, man, wouldn't it be great if like there was more encouragement from the the aesthetic industry to also encourage the inside because there is such a focus on the outside. So um, I did take a a big step back and and think, you know, that's just not for me. So (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying it either change my mind, change our minds about that. You know, like, let's hear, let's hear what you have to say. Cause this is, I feel there is one plastic surgeon in Tampa actually, who I adore. And he is very much so always talking about more than just the exterior. And although that is important, right? It's, it's an important factor in how we feel and how we look, of course, but let's talk about that stigma that is within your industry. Yeah. So, you know, it's something I talk to patients about a lot as well. I want patients to have very, very realistic expectations, you know, and as plastic surgeons, we screen for these type of patients that have expectations that plastic surgery is going to change their life dramatically because it's not right. We all know that it is meant to enhance your life, to improve your life, but it is, you know, we look out for these buzzwords. Oh, you know, my spouse just left me and that's why I want, you know, a completely different look. And we, we just say, you know, this is not the right surgery for you. I'm not the right surgeon for you. So we are very cognizant of the reasons why people have plastic surgery. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about taking care of the patient. It's all about doing the right thing for the patient. So um, in those sorts of obvious scenarios, it's very easy to parse that out. But in the greater sense, I always thought it was very interesting that I wrote my personal statement about this too when I was applying for fellowship. I always thought it was very interesting that someone has to have what is considered an obvious, like medically covered deformity in order for them to, you know, not have any shame about fixing it. Mm. Um, Like, for example, you know, uh, someone that has a really unsightly scar on their face or really unsightly mole on their face, that's covered by insurance to have it removed. But in a similar, in a similar vein, and maybe it's because, you know, it's bothering them, it's causing them a lot of self-esteem issues, it's causing, you know, 
strife in their life. Um, but then why is it that it's so looked down upon that someone is unhappy with, you know, their loose skin after having lost 50 pounds and then they go and have cosmetic surgery to have it fixed? Like, why is that any different? Why is it bad to want to feel bad about your or want to feel good about yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, even though you don't let, let's say, have like a a traditional deformity that needs to be corrected. And I think that those sorts of differences, like, for example, um, having a tummy tuck after having a baby, like, why is it bad to want to feel good about yourself? You know, your, your body has gone through so much, um, you know, your, your muscles are a wreck because they're splayed wide, wide apart. Um, you know, what's wrong with wanting to be what you were before? I agree with you 100%. I always have. I've, I mean, my, my God, myself, I, I always know when I'm taking care of myself or I've gotten some Botox or I've, um, I'm down with it. I'm like, yes, do whatever you can to actually feel good about yourself. And why is there such a stigma? But there is an art to it. You know, there is an art to the messaging. And, um, and I think that it's great that you've, I've watched your social media. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, it's very good. So everybody should follow. We'll put all of the links in the show notes. Um, what is your mindset about, because you have complete control of, of how everybody's going to perceive what you're doing from the outside. And that's where everybody's going. They're going to social media to look um, and see who you are. And I got such a great glimpse of who you are. Um, it was I was excited about it. I was like, yeah, no, this is the messaging that should be out there and it's fun. And you're using, you know, good songs and (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about how, how you want to project your own image for the practice, your own brand. What does your brand look like? Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this because I know how important it is. And there are things that I want to communicate to the world that I want to make so obvious. And one of them really is that, um, and I I know I just said this, but you should love, you really should, it sounds cheesy, but you should love yourself without having to do all these cosmetic treatments. But at the same time, you shouldn't feel bad about yourself for wanting to look better or for wanting to enhance those features that you already have. Like, you know, I've my tagline is that I always want to enhance what's already beautiful, which is you. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't want to change you. I don't want to make you look dramatically different and I can't change you. I can't change the way you feel about yourself just by giving you, um, you know, a surgery that, that is very deep rooted. So I, would like to embody, you know, promoting self-confidence and promoting loving yourself. And I know that that is a little bit contradictory with what I do, but, or some people may perceive that, but I don't think it is. I think that, you know, doing the right thing for yourself can only promote that, but it, like I said, just doesn't dramatically change who you are. I want to also promote this feeling of empowerment. You know, you should be able to take your life in your hands. You should be able to do what you want to do. This feeling of independence. I'm, you know, very, very pro woman in medicine, pro, you know, doing women in surgery because it's not so common. And there are certain challenges unique to women in medicine. And I just want to provide a platform for both patients and for, you know, maybe people still in training or for other women in medicine to be like, hey, you know, this person's out there doing it. They just decided to go for it. And why the heck can't I, you know? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yes. I, and I, um, I think the reason that I was pulled to, to speak about, um, 
there being some toxicity around it. It's, it's only about like whoever it is that is doing the services or whoever is the team really dictates the messaging, you know? So I might've had unfortunate experiences in these practices that I worked with, but that certainly doesn't mean that that's even how I feel about the aesthetic industry. I'm, I think it's fantastic. I have loved every um, opportunity to learn more because I know that when people are feeling down about themselves because of losing weight and they want to get lipo, I'm like, yeah, you should do it because it doesn't even matter what anybody thinks about you taking care of yourself. It doesn't even matter. It only matters about how you feel. Um, And I do think that it has been unfortunate that some plastic surgeons do get a bad rap. And I, I, I look at, I've always looked at you guys like, like artists because you have to have some artistic ability to be able to look at somebody and bring out that inner beauty and just enhance it. Like you were talking about, I think it's a real, God, it's, I mean, I can't even make dinner. Okay. Well, I, I'm not that good at making dinner either. So <laughs> <laughs> we all have our related <laughs> at all. Yeah. Well, you are in such a, a great place in Tampa Bay. It's been um, wonderful to witness the transformation of this well world. I mean, Tampa itself is a, a well district in, in the Channel Side area and, and where you're going to be in the Palmasia area is just booming with, you know, uh, innovative ways to take care of us, you know, and I think that you being a woman and being a surgeon and my God is like the best. Well, I'm so excited. So yeah. yeah. And so you're going to be opening in September and what services will you provide? Let's just give everybody a little rundown of what you're going to provide. Yeah. So I'm going to provide the full breadth of plastic surgery services um, in terms of plastic surgery of the face, the breast, body, um, and as well as non-surgical solutions such as neuromodulators um, like Botox, Dysport, Juvo, as well as dermal fillers, lip fillers, so awesome. and um, microneedling as well. So I am super excited to get started, super excited to start meeting more people in the Tampa Bay area and start taking care of people. Yes. Well, we're so excited you're here. I can't wait to share this and tell everybody that, you know, there's a wonderful woman here that we need to support and and encourage. And we need, you will be that great example for so many young women coming up in medicine today of what you can do. Nobody has to wait to, to start their dream. You know, you don't have, it's just like that whole idea of retiring at a certain age. Like Mm -hmm. we should be living and enjoying ourselves. And, um, and part of that is, you know, starting something that might be a little scary. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. So good. I'm glad. Thank Thank you. Don't forget to mitigate risk. Visit 831B.com for more information.